0: Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do great work. They take care of our air conditioning. And I hope you consider, giving them a call, johnsonsairconditioning.com is the website. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll find out what's new with Boo, Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. And Linda Harden, my wife, will be joining us. She writes, greetings from paradise. It was October the 19th, and on the day in 1781, hopelessly trapped at Yorktown, Virginia, British General Lord Cornwallis surrendered 8,000 British troops and seamen to larger Franco-American force, effectively bringing an end to the American Revolution. That's just unbelievable. 1781, Lord Cornwallis was one of the most capable British generals of the American Revolution, In 1776, he drove General George Washington's Patriots forces out of New Jersey. And in 1780, he won a stunning victory over General Horatio Gates' Patriot Army at Camden, South Carolina. Cornwallis' subsequent invasion of North Carolina was less successful, however. And in April 1781, he led his weary and battered troops towards the Virginia coast where he could maintain seaborne lines of communication with the large British army of General Henry Clinton in New York City. After conducting a series of raids against towns and plantations in Virginia, Cornwallis settled in the Tidewater town of Yorktown in August. The British immediately began fortifying the town and adjacent promontory of uh, Gloucester Point across uh, York River. General George Washington instructed the Marquis de Lafayette, who was in Virginia with the American army of around 5,000 men, to block Cornwallis' escape from Yorktown by land. In the meantime, Washington's 2,500 troops in New York were joined by a French army of 4,000 men under Count de Rochambeau. Uh, Washington and Rochambeau made plans to attack Cornwallis with the assistance of a large French fleet under the Count de Grasse. On August the 21st, they crossed the Hudson River to march towards Yorktown. Covering 200 miles in 15 days, the Allied force reached the head of the Chesapeake Bay in early September. Meanwhile, a British fleet under Admiral Thomas Graves failed to break French naval superiority at the Battle of uh, Virginia Capes on September the fifth, denying Cornwallis his expected reinforcements. Beginning September the fourteenth, De Grasse transported Washington and de- Richambeau and the men down to Chesapeake to Virginia, where they joined Lafayette and completed the an encirclement of uh, Yorktown on September the twenty-eighth. De Grasse landed another three thousand French troops carried by his fleet. During the first two weeks in October, the 14,000 Franco-American troops gradually overcame the fortified British positions with the aid of de Grasse's warship. The large British uh, fleet carried 7,000 men out to rescue Cornwallis, but it was too late. October the 19th, General Cornwallis surrendered 7,087 officers and men, 900 seamen, 144 cannons, 15 galleys, a frigate, and 30 transport ships illness, he did not attend the surrender ceremony, but his second in command, General George Charles O'Hara, carried Cornwallis' sword to the American and French commanders. At the British and Hessian troops marched out to surrender, uh, the British bands played the song, The World Turned Upside Down. Although the war persisted on the high seas and in other theaters, the Patriot Army victory was at Yorktown, effectively ending the fighting in the American colonies. Peace negotiations began in 17. 17- Eighty-two, and on September the third, September third, seventeen eighty-three, the Treaty of Paris was signed, formally recognizing the United States as a free and independent nation after eight years of war. What a story! And I just encourage you for expansion on these. The Patrick O'Donnell's "The Indispensable" is just a fantastic read to help you understand the suffering and the uh, against all odds fight that the American revolutionaries. Had against the British. An amazing story. Patrick O'Donnell, The Indispensables. It may be getting more expensive to live, but Southwest Florida remains at the top of the best places to retire in the country based on the latest research by U.S. News & World Report. The state's metros led the way in the annual findings released this morning by the magazine. With the first four in order, Sarasota came in number one, Naples second, Daytona Beach, and then Melbourne. Sarasota edged out Naples for the number one spot, largely due to Sarasota having more affordable housing than Naples. Fort Myers-Cape Coral was right on their heels at number seven, just behind Tampa Bay, and Port St. Lucie clocked in at number eight, Pensacola at number 10, Lakeland at number 12, Ocala at 16, and Orlando at 18. Florida dominates this year's ranks of the best places to retire, taking eight of the top ten spots on the list, said Brandon. Who also looked at murder, theft, and vandalism as part of the study that solidified the top two spots? We did see that Sarasota and Naples have lower crime rates than some other parts of Florida. <clears throat> so, congratulations if you're living on the Paradise Coast. Great place to live. And this uh, report from the New Year's uh, U.S. News and World Report demonstrates that. Collier County reported fewer coronavirus cases in the weekend, except uh, Sunday, adding 252 new cases. That's down nearly 36% from the previous week's tally of 392. Florida ranked 48th among states where coronavirus was spreading the fastest on a per-person basis. That means they're second from the bottom. It's growing more slowly than 47 other states in the nation. A U.S. uh, Today network analysis of Johns Hopkins University data shows in the latest week, coronavirus cases in the United States decreased 9.7% from the week before. Uh, With uh, 6.45% of the country's population, Florida has 3.17% of the country's cases in the last week. Across the country, 12 states had more cases in the latest week than they did the week before. So, uh, demonstration that uh, this Delta variant is subsiding, that's good news. Hopefully there won't be something to follow, and this will all go away. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, Colin Powell, the trailblazing military commander and first Black Secretary of State, whose uh, career was defined in part by America's two wars with Iraq, he died Monday of COVID-19 related complications. He reportedly had been diagnosed with multiple myeloma, a form of blood cancer that makes it difficult to fight infections. Powell was 84. He was born in New York City to Jamaican immigrants, served for four U.S. presidents, and rose to become the first African-American and youngest chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, the nation's highest-ranking military officer. He died Monday at Walter Reed National Medical Center. His family said he was fully vaccinated against COVID-19. We lost a remarkable and loving husband, father, grandfather, and great American, Powell's family said in a statement. He truly was A very gentle and decent man, and a very high-performing, achieving man as well. Great American. Well, just how many Americans, citizens, and legal permanent residents reside abandoned in Afghanistan, the State Department has yet to give any firm figures, and the national media remains completely disinterested in the topic. Even if the State Department won't give any firm numbers, Senator Richard Blumenthal will, he estimates, His estimate of the number of people his own office is tracking, 800, far exceeds any number the State Department has suggested. Alice Plitsis, a veteran of Afghanistan working to get people out, tells ABC News affiliate that he believes over 1,000 Americans remain trapped and that the number of Afghan allies we abandon exceeds 60,000. It's uh, the the Fox News provided consistent coverage of the crisis thanks to train Yankst, who puts the numbers of abandoned Americans into the thousands. We've been out of Afghanistan for 49 days. It's going to take another two months before the U.S. government puts together a plan to evaluate and evacuate the Americans and allies it abandoned seven weeks ago. What a disgrace for Joe Biden, the State Department, the Pentagon, and especially for the national media that's gone out of its way to avoid covering this critical important topic. Thousands left in Afghanistan. Fifty days have passed. Unbelievable. Well, West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Budget Committee Chairman Bernie Sanders are sparring over the contents of the Democrats' budget reconciliation bill that could cost up to $3.5 trillion. The stark policy differences between the two senators have erupted into full view following an op-ed from Sanders in the West Virginia newspaper about the reconciliation bill. Congress should proceed with caution on any additional spending and I will not vote for a reckless expansion of government programs, Manchin said. No op-ed from a self-declared independent socialist is going to change that. Way to go, Joe Manchin. In the op-ed, Sanders uh, emphasized that the Democrats need 50 votes in a 50-50 Senate to move towards reconciliation past the finish line. He noted that Manchin and Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema are not on board with the current version of the proposal. I believe that now is the time, finally, for Congress to stand up for working families and have the courage to take on the big money interests and wealthy campaign contributors who have so much power over the economic and political life of our country, Sanders wrote. He actually said that. Can you believe it? Yeah, probably even believes it. This is a pivotal moment in modern American history, he wrote. We now have a historic opportunity to support working families of West Virginia, Vermont, and the entire country and create policy which works for all, not just a few. Yeah, he really said that. Anyway, reacting to the op-ed in West Virginia's Charleston Globe and Mail, Manchin referred to Sanders as an out-of-stater who, tells, who is telling West Virginia what to support. This isn't the first time an out of state has tried to tell West Virginians what is best for them despite having no relationship to our state, he said. Manchin has reportedly informed the White House that he wants a work requirement attached to the child credit in a reconciliation bill along with a $60,000 income cap per household. These proposals are drawing criticism from progressives such as New York Rep. Mondaire Jones. And it goes on, but you can imagine the content of this conversation. Mansion, just stand firm. Do not give up. Hopefully, cinema and mansion will stand firm against this, these crazy socialist ideas, these socialist programs that don't support poor people at all. What they do is they just uh, keep them on the plantation and keep them dependent, and that's not good. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Kathleen Pasadena, our state senator. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob- Bob Harden Show, here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rocking good time. Lullaby's Diner is a throwback to the '60s, complete with great music and a fabulous '60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food great value and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Bee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. And by the way, if you're listening to the show live right now, look out the window to the East. the sunrise is absolutely spectacular i've never seen such beautiful sunrise it's just absolutely beautiful hey coming up we're going to be visiting with seat motley the founder and president of less government right now we have with us kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator kathleen thank you so much for joining us good morning good morning kathleen i understand today's a big day
2: <laughs> yes i'm in i'm in tallahassee and uh our Republican caucus is meeting this afternoon, and um, if all goes well, I'll be unanimously selected to uh, be the Senate President uh, starting next November after the election. So it's kind of cool, it's daunting, but uh, you know, it's it's a, it's uh, quite a production. I'll tell you, I'll tell you that.
1: Well, congratulations to you. I mean, it just you can't. Uh, underscore how important it is to have the respect of your peers to put you in that position. I think it's just really remarkable that here from Naples, Kathleen Pasadenault, President of the Senate. That's pretty cool.
2: Well, yeah, and what's um, almost more um, compelling is that there have only been two women presidents in the history of the state. Uh, Gwen Margolis was about, I think, about uh, 25 years ago and Tony Jennings uh, 20 years ago, so we haven't had a woman president since. Uh, and a little tip of this, this humorous is that uh, John, my husband John, will be the first, first gentleman because neither uh, Gwen Margolis or Tony Jennings were married at the time. So there's <laughs> been quite a little fun ribbon going on. John,
1: one of the nicest gentlemen I've ever met, and I tell yes. you what, a great attorney. <laughs> He's just, a, and always has a smile, always courteous and, and pleasant. Uh, so, well, congratulations to John, too. That's pretty cool. So, yeah,
2: well, you know, since they've never had uh, a man in that role, you know, he's been getting a lot of, <laughs> of ribbing from uh, some of the senators about how he has to take over the, the, the teas and the <laughs> the, um, the visits to museums and <laughs> the kind of things that they do with the, with the wives of the uh, uh, elected officials when we're up here in session who come up with them. And <laughs> he's laughing because he's not going to be able to, to uh, come to Tallahassee
1: wow. during so, session, so, obviously. So is this a big speech? Are you going to be making an uh, address to the group? Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, how it works is um, it's it's actually a real production. We have um, uh, all of the Republican senators, of course, attend to vote. The Democrats attend to watch. Former presidents come. The governor will be there. The cabinet will be there. um Members of the House uh, will be there. It's just a packed, uh, you know, uh, event. And then people from Naples have uh, driven up. Um, My my kids have have uh, come in, and so you know, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance. And then two members of the Senate nominate, uh, do nomination speeches, and then they vote. And then I have a speech, which I. Practice once or twice, and I'm if sure. it keeps getting longer. So I, I better stop. Or people going to be. Um, but the main thing for me is my father, who's uh, 98 years old, is uh, flying up um, for the day to, to attend, and uh, that's the most important thing. Ah, that's sure so. To that witness. is so
1: neat. Uh, well, yeah,
2: yeah.
1: He's got to be so proud. Well, that's, yeah. that's very cool. Yeah. So, I um, mean, it, it's all the way, you're waiting until the next election. So this, uh, to me, it just it's uh, very impressive that it's, it's happening so far before you're taking sure. on the role.
2: Well, the and the reason for that is to get you prepared to take over. So I'm involved now in all the budget briefings and um, uh, when the president has meetings with uh, staff or others with policy um the policy discussions he invites me <clears throat> my role is also as the incoming senate president um fundraising for senate campaigns because obviously i can't be president if we don't keep the majority so i it, which is you know you and i have talked about how i'm not in, in naples much because i'm busy running around the state um mm. raising money for senate campaigns
1: sounds like this was a, a probably foregone conclusion at this point in other words the the election happened yeah. sometime but this is all formality
2: well, from your lips to God's ears, yes. <laughs> um, you know, I, I've, I've received pledges from all the Republican members, um, so there's no controversy there, as far as I know. Um, but, uh, of course, we have to keep the majority, and we have uh, 24 Republicans out of 40. So, um, you know, we feel pretty confident. And with since this midterm election, there'll be a lot, I think, a lot of uh, more Republican voters out there. So I feel pretty confident, but I'm not going to let my guard down I'm, Going to keep going.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> Kathleen. Keep well, that's just that's really cool. And by the way, just underscoring the importance that uh, I read that when uh, Obama was first elected in 2008, there were 700,000 more Democrat-registered voters in Florida than there were Republicans. And I believe by the end of the year, they say that there will be more Republican voters, yes. registered Republican voters than Democrats. So, uh Yeah,
2: we've been doing a a lot of um, uh, registration outreach. Uh, The governor put together a a task force, a team, and, uh, you know, I serve on it with Speaker Designate Renner from the House, and uh, they're doing a lot of good work uh, getting uh, registered. And a lot of the people that are currently registered as Democrats are not, you know, you'd think if they were dissatisfied, they'd just go NPA or independent, but they are registering as Republican. So. Uh, we'll see how that pans out over the next year.
1: Absolutely. So uh, any breaking news in terms of the next legislative session? Or you're also doing some committee work up there.
2: Yeah, um, the committees haven't yet started looking at bills. Most of it is presentations from agencies for their budget requests. Um, you know there's there's been a lot of there's a lot of need uh, and and determination on how we're spending the federal do- stimulus dollars. Uh, because those are one-time um, infusions, and uh, in Florida, like other states, has those funds. Even even if we didn't think it was necessary, we're uh, you know we're not going to send it back. So we're we're looking at infrastructure type projects uh, and that that are one-shot deals. So they're not you know hiring yeah. people that we won't have the money for in the future. So those are the kind of things we're doing.
1: Outstanding. Kathleen Pasademo, again, our state senator, soon to be uh, Senate President of the uh, state legislature, state Senate in uh, Tallahassee. Kathleen, I just genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary on the show. Congratulations to you. Thanks so much for joining us.
2: Thank you, and have a great day.
1: You as well. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Boo Mordison. We're going to find out what's new with Boo in Madison, Wisconsin. That is more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Hardin Broadcasting Network.
0: To the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Not only building this wonderful performing arts center in downtown Naples, but bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. Great plays and productions coming up. You can visit find out more and get tickets by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what's new with Boo. Boo Mortensen up in Madison, Wisconsin. Boo, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Oh, it's my pleasure. You know, I, I have to say, Bob, that, you know, Christmas, Halloween, the holidays are all coming up upon us fast. And I was struck by a radio show that I was listening to where they said in the state of California, of course, it would be California. They have said that the toy aisles of Target and Walmart have to become gender neutral. So right now, if you go down a toy aisle for predominantly girls' toys, a lot of the aisle is pink, Mm -hmm. and the packaging is pink, uh, a lot of pink. Boys, it's more blue, action figures, trucks, airplanes, that sort of thing. And now they have a mandate that you, they have to become gender neutral. And I thought, oh my God, because, you know, when you look for toys, it's, if you've got a granddaughter or a daughter, but you go in the pink aisle. You never think about it. I don't. Uh-huh. Apparently, you can't do that anymore. Now they say that research shows that gender specific toys. Uh, uh, Stunt can stunt a child's emotional and psychological growth.
1: Say that again, Boo. Uh, Really? Okay.
3: Gender-specific toys, Mm -hmm. like, say, Batman, Mm -hmm. can stunt a child's emotional and psychological growth.
1: You know, Boo, this uh, sounds so absurd to me. Yeah, stuff happens to people and it affects everybody in just a different way. I mean, the, you find out that the governor of Maine is a good example. The guy uh, was ended up, uh, his, his dad was an alcoholic and beat him all the time when he was drunk and he ended up running away from home when he was 12 years old. He was homeless until his adult life, uh, you know. And, and you know, he's, he's a totally great guy and, and doing a great job. This guy, he, he was governor. He's, he's running for re-election now, but... Uh, And the same people going, uh, somebody else going through that same experience can have a totally different outcome. I mean, it can just be absolutely, uh, I just don't buy into the fact that stuff creates reactions in people. I believe people process things in, in different ways.
3: You know, it's so fascinating to me. First of all, let me give you an idea of the scope of this. The toy industry is a $22 billion industry. So it's big. Yeah. Now, already, Disney is, there are no longer boy and girl designations on Disney Halloween costumes. Wow. They're labeled for kids. Uh, Amazon, if you go to Amazon and say boy toys ages 6 to 8, they do not, they've they eliminated the gender-based category. There is a genderless Barbie Um, Hmm. the, uh, the easy bake ovens for little girls now also has it in black and silver. Mr. Potato Head Family is now showing the Mr. Potato Head Family for non-traditional families. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. So, (laughs) but it's got to be such a small, minuscule portion of their population that are interested in that, and yet they've got to retrofit all this.
1: And, and It's
3: shocking to me.
1: Yeah, and what can be the expense to these companies in terms of <clears throat> having to conform to these foolish rules? Number one, and how about the supply lines? I mean, right now we've got problems with getting st- stuff on the shelves, never mind gender neutral, if you know what I'm saying.
3: I, I, I mean, it's just kind of, it, it strikes me dumb. Yeah. I, I'm just dumbstruck by it all. And Legos, you know, I love Legos. My grandkids must have 150,000 Legos. Yeah. You know, they love the Legos. Nope. Now even Lego is coming out. And Lego, I mean, they're blocks, for goodness sakes. They're not dolls. Right. And now they will have a whole line of gender-neutral blocks.
1: I don't know. I just uh, I'm missing. I'm missing <laughs> something. I think
3: we've lived too long.
1: <laughs> I, I'm missing something, Boob. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, uh, where was this all ha- when when I was growing up? I mean, I just uh, yeah, we had some kids that uh, saw things in a different way and whatever, but they fit in. I mean, they had they had their own lives. They went on about their business. So I guess what I'm suggesting is that uh, it. it <laughs> These these people didn't need accommodations. They just, you know, just went about their lives.
3: Well, and you know When you shop for toys, it just makes it for an ease for shopping. Um, You know, like there's a men's department. It's got men's clothing. There's a ladies' department. There's a petite department. And it just makes it easier for what's specific for you. So if there's an aisle of just girly-girl things, Boys can walk down that aisle and pick stuff off of the aisle. It's Absolutely. not restricted to girls only going down the aisle.
1: You know, there's, this, there's a new niche that could be created, which is a gender-neutral uh, shopping, and just a, a, a store that just only caters to people that for, with stuff for gender-neutral. I'd like to see a business like that started. I believe it would fail.
3: Uh, yeah, I think so. Yes, yes. <laughs> How many genderless Barbies do you think they sell? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Oh, uh, I, it's just I, I'm just so perplexed by all of it. It's I don't know. You yeah. know, so I thought well, maybe they're doing this toward transgender people. I don't know. It's but
1: it's also cutting edge, boo. I can't make sense of it. I just uh, it's beyond me.
3: I know. I think we're too old. <laughs> okay, now let's get our feet back on on uh, firm ground. A friend of mine was going down to Florida. And she said, well, I don't have a car, but I'm going to rent a car. And I was like, whoa. Boy, I'll tell you, cars are so expensive to rent anywhere right now. If you can get one.
1: If you can get one. exactly.
3: If you can get one. And she says, oh, no. She said, there are programs out there. One is called Turbo. I went on the website. And it's car sharing. It's just like Airbnbs, only for cars. Wow. So if you're going to Miami and you want to rent a Fiat, you can rent a Fiat for 29 bucks a day.
1: You're kidding. So what is the nope. name of the company? Turbo. Turbo. T-U-R-B-O?
3: Yeah, it's the largest one. Uh-huh. Yeah. They're all over the United States and in Canada and uh, London. Whereas if you want to rent a Maserati, which would fit wonderfully in your experience in Miami, a Maserati is $77 a day.
1: Wow! And you
3: pick out how many days you want to rent it, whether or not you want a stick or a standard, uh, and you pick it up at the airport. They meet you at the airport. No Bada bing!
1: That is just so interesting. I've got so many questions swirling around it, uh, mainly a, a line to risk. You know, who cover? What happens if there's an accident? You know, all those types of questions. But uh, they're private owners. Apparently, you're saying that these people have the car yeah. and they uh, they're Gonna, they're willing to rent it out for a, a period of time. They probably have some special. Who who provides the insurance for it?
3: I didn't go through the process of all of that. <laughs> or do you have to have your own insurance? Maybe you have to have your own
1: insurance. Yeah. yeah. Car insurance. Yeah, the car is $27 a day and the insurance is $1,000. <laughs> a day it's pretty amazing but it sounds so interesting to me i what an interesting find that is i mean do they have long-term agreements like some people may want a car for three months coming down here the snowbirds
4: oh
3: yeah absolutely now a fiat you know that's a little teeny tiny little car right and that's what i say couple you know 20 bucks or 27 dollars a day um you get a deal if you rent it for a month versus day by day? They do have how long you want to rent it. So if you want to rent it for a month, you can.
1: That's great. But this
3: this girl that I've talked to, she's flying into uh, Fort Myers Airport and picking up her car and spending two weeks in Sarasota with the rental car.
1: Wow. And she, returns it just, to, she just returns it to the airport? Yeah. That's mm-hmm. pretty convenient. Wow, well, Boo, you know, I never know what we're going to talk about, but you know, conversation with you is like opening a box of chocolates—you never know <laughs> what you are going to get. Can
3: get pretty scary at times.
1: <laughs> All cutting edge stuff, Boo. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
3: You bet, my All pleasure. Right.
1: All right, thank you, Boo. Lighter side of the program. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seaton Motley. Seaton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Hardin. Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network.
1: you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? School Choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. It is now supported by three out of four voters. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of Superior Schools of Choice. Optima's goal is the successful launch of Hillsdale College, classical academies, and other schools of excellence, serving kindergarten through twelfth grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through content-rich
0: back to the Bob Harden Show, and now here's your host,
1: Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Linda Harden. She's the author of Greetings from Paradise. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us.
4: Good morning, sir.
1: Good morning, Seton. Tell us about less government.
4: Yeah, we exist to reduce the size, scope, and sphere of influence of government, and probably eight people in D.C. do, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's a, it's a shrinking market, isn't it? Unbelievable. But uh, you wrote yeah. you wrote a piece which was pretty fascinating. Why don't Republicans know D.C. and Democrats are lying about Internet access? Maybe you could tell us about it.
4: Yeah, my concept for a long time is that D.C. is an organism. You know, you, you hear about the deep state and all that. Well, it's an organism, and it, it, like any other organism, its first uh, per, uh, priority is self-preservation, and its second is growth. You know, it wants to control as much as it can. And, of course, DC, uh, Democrats are the party of D.C., so they create and foster the lies D.C. itself tells. And it's a symbiotic relationship. I said it's like a sea anemone and fish that live in and around the anemone. It's like D.C. is the anemone, and Democrats are the fish that live in P.G., uh, Montgomery, and Fairfax County, and in D.C. proper. Right. Um, but anyway, the, the, um, they tell these lies all in uh, pursuit of more power, more control in Washington. And one of them is. Oh, this digital divide lie. You've probably heard that phrase before. The the COVID lockdowns exacerbated and, and demonstrated the digital divide, where mi- tens of millions of Americans don't have internet access. Everybody and,
1: has internet access. Uh,
4: yes, exa- Yeah. In fact, there was a, micro, a Microsoft study last year that said 126 million people don't have internet, high speed internet access. Well, they lie about all kinds of things. They lie about first of all, they only count hardline broadband as an internet connection. Yeah. They do not count smartphones as an internet connection. Well, I looked it up. 298 million people have a smartphone this year in the United States. Yep. That's an internet connection. Yep. You can you can stream high-def movies on your phone. Right. That's an internet connection. They don't count it, because they want to inflate the numbers. Yeah. Uh, they don't count satellite internet, which 100% of Americans have access to, as an internet connection. Because they want to inflate the numbers to then justify in this dumb infrastructure bill, not the big one, the little one, by comparison, the, you know. Um, uh, they want to spend $60-plus plus billion to close the digital divide. Well, it's already been closed. It's yeah. been closed for years. Yeah. And it's just a lie to grow government. Well, I, you know, I, I get Google alerts. For people who don't know, you go to Google, which I hate to do. It's the only pro- Google product I use, by the way. Um, and you you give them keywords, and so then they send you emails when your keywords show up on the internet. Huh. Pretty good. They're, look, they got the best search engine. I'll admit it. Um, they're corrupt as hell, but they have the best uh, search algorithm. But anyway, I get, I got a Google alert about uh, the internet, uh, by by an op-ed in in the Hill newspaper. And the headline was, you know, new, I I can't remember the headline, I don't have it in front of me, but it was basically, you know, I'm proud to support the broadband portion of the infrastructure bill. And I went, gee, I hope that was written by a Democrat. Because, you know, the headline included the phrase, digital divide or close the gap or something stupid. I said, gee, I hope that was written by a Democrat. So I looked it up, and it wasn't. It was written by Glenn Thompson, who's a Republican from Pennsylvania. Mm. And he's very proud to have voted for the infrastructure bill to spend $60 billion to close the digital divide. And I'm like, you do this for a living, you clown. You're in D.C. Heck, there was even a, uh, you know, obviously one of, you know, one of the many reasons DC hated Trump was because Trump engaged in reality-based policy, right? And you know they for, he forced a lot of the DC deep saters to dip their toe into reality, and they hated him for it. Well, the the Trump Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, in 29, uh, 2019 issued a report that said ninety nine point nine nine percent of people have internet access, and because they actually counted. All the connections. Yeah. You know, there's there's several wired. It's not just it's not just hardline coax cable. There's also fiber. There's DSL. There, you know remember, not everybody needs to stream wants to stream five movies at a time. Right. Um these are all perfectly serviceable options. Um but they but they counted D S L. They even counted dial up, although very, very few people have dial up anymore. But they also counted Cell phones. They counted satellite. You know, they counted all the options people have to connect to the internet, and, and arrived at the number ninety nine point nine nine percent of people have access. Right. Which puts the lie to this entire process. Um, and Thompson should know this. He's a congressman. He's a Republican. He should know that this is not that. that he's buying into a lie. So, so either,
1: what he knows, what he knows Seaton is he knows that he gets a check for his con- for his campaign from one of the companies that su- that supports this idea.
4: Well, yeah, like I said, Microsoft comes up with this bogus, you know, half the population of the United States doesn't have access to the internet. Why? Because governments, you know, to connect to the internet, you need lots of Microsoft
2: products. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
4: So the government spending a lot of money on internet access Really, backdoor helps Microsoft. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, you know, uh, th- obviously we've seen a lot of dumb Republicans on tech issues. We've seen a lot of dumb Democrats on tech issues too. But you know, I remember it was years ago now because Warren Hatch is no longer in the Senate. But I think it so typified the idiocy in D.C. He he's questioning Zuckerberg, the head of Facebook, and he brought, before his question, you know how they always. Pontificate before they get around to their question. Yep. He bragged that he was the re- Republican lead on the Senate Internet, you know, committee. The, you know, I'm the lead on the Senate Internet <laughs> committee. And then he asked Zuckerberg, "Your site is free. How do you make money?"
2: Yeah. Uh. <laughs>
4: and it's like uh, we and Zuckerberg was completely lied. Now he was like, uh, "We sell ads." Yeah, Senator. He's the head. Of the Internet Committee, he doesn't understand ad sales on the internet.
1: Yeah, see, um,
4: you know, so so baby Thompson is just a completely ignorant boob, and he doesn't do any digging, and he gets you know he just re- cursory glances at the headlines talking about the digital divide. Oh, we got to we got to close the digital divide. Okay, I'm in sixty billion dollars. Yeah, and again, all of these things are available. Well, I've been writing about this lie for years. When I first found out, the D.C. only counted hard lines.
1: Seton, are you there? I think I just lost Seton Motley, our, our guest. Well, Seton, I, I want to say thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit the website, lessgovernment.org, lessgovernment.org. Okay, coming up, we're going to visit with Linda Harden. Linda is my wife. She's also the author of Greetings from Paradise, We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
0: Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
1: To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840, and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs, and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did.
0: Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden.
1: Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. It's a new, refreshing social networking platform. You can download the app by visiting the website, choicesocial.us. We have with us Linda Harden. She's my lovely wife. She's also the author of a fantastically popular newsletter she sends out periodically. It's called Greetings from Paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Morning. Hey, you know, I was kind of shocked to find out that... Uh, Apparently, there's chartered flights flying into New York and other places, a landing at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, filled with illegal immigrants that are dispersed throughout the community. Did you hear about that?
5: Did you see where they're landing? No. Um, Long Island. They're landing in New Jersey, in New York. Um, they're, they're dispersing in, in suburbs of New York. Geez, I hope they they um, disperse some of them in, in former Governor Cuomo's backyard. That would be interesting. Yes,
1: it would. But this is, so apparently this is a planned program to disperse illegal immigrants throughout the United States, and I don't know where they're going. I mean, are they just dropping them off, or are they become homeless, or what's going on? Do you well, know?
5: I don't know, but but just go back to a week ago, what happened in Naples that, that we witnessed, or that it was witnessed on Immokalee in 41, that a busload of, of uh immigrants were just dumped off in an unmarked bus and with their backpacks and they scattered. Can you imagine the, the
1: cost of this and chartering airplanes and flying them throughout throughout the United States.
5: Your tax dollars at work.
1: Uh, exactly or not at work. It's just unbelievable. It's just very disappointing. Uh
5: well it's 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 infuriating. I mean yeah. everything this Biden administration is doing is doing is undermining um, the soul of this country. Yeah, and uh, you know what? I was I was so pleased not to change the subject, but I am going to do it anyway. Uh, to see that um, the IG, the Inspector General, is going in to investigate Biden's withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is like Biden's worst nightmare, because those people wanted to get out of Afghanistan and just make everything go away. And the IG looking into it is going to be very interesting.
1: Yeah, there is still. I, I reported this morning that there is still. Uh, At least a thousand Americans, United States citizens, still in Afghanistan right now, who want to come home, and uh, apparently over sixty thousand people who supported the United States—they're at risk right now, living in Afghanistan. In in Afghanistan right now, we've just totally bungled this. I can remember back in the day when I was younger that if if Americans was left anywhere in the world, we would do we would uh, move heaven and earth to make sure that they were. Brought home safely.
5: Yeah, and you know what's really interesting? I don't know if you've brought this up on your show, but um, the people that have gotten out of Afghanistan, the Americans, you haven't seen one person interviewed on any network. Television. That
1: is such an interesting observation. Not That is, is exactly that is exactly right. No, we haven't.
5: Uh uh-uh. And and I mean this is this is um, another bait and switch by the by this um, illegitimate president, and I still firmly believe he's illegitimate. That he's just doing every, and the media's the media's cow to him. Although the media slowly, bit by bit, is waking up, but um, they you'd think that they'd be clamoring to get an interview of, of one of these interpreters. Actually, Fox has done a couple, but even them, uh, even on that network, it's been very, um, yeah. very sparse. The only thing I I'll say is that yesterday they had a um, their Middle East correspondent Trey Yangst was actually on board a flight of of uh, Afghan uh, refugees or Americans that were, were being flown out of Afghanistan, which is the first I've seen in a couple of weeks.
1: Wow, that's amazing. So changing topics slightly, uh, Colin Powell died. And-
5: well, yes, he did. And, and isn't it interesting that um, today we hear nothing about it because um, yesterday I thought it's so interesting that the family made Sure to post on Colin Powell's Facebook page for whatever reason that that Colin Powell was double vaccinated yeah. for the COVID, and and oh by the way, can we just bring up that that people over the age of what sixty five, the main reason to encourage their vaccination was because um, to protect them from COVID because they would probably have pre existing conditions like Colin Powell had, mm-hmm. which was my- multiple myeloma and Parkinson's disease. Yeah.
1: So uh, and he
5: died from well complications it, of COVID. He yeah. didn't die of multiple myeloma or Parkinson's. He died of complications from COVID.
1: So, do, do you believe that's the? I, I believe he had probably had COVID, but he probably died from the complications. He probably died from the myeloma. The uh,
5: no, he died from the complications of coma, which is which is lung disease, kidney failure, all that all that other stuff, which doesn't have anything to do with yeah. multiple myeloma. Yeah. Or, and and which is why the media is going. Oh crap! We can't let this get out. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the um, uh, Biden and his wife are are, um, being hypocritical. He's wearing masks out in the fresh air, yet he goes through a uh, restaurant. He and his wife go through a restaurant um, maskless, maskless. When there's in Washington
1: D.C., you're absolutely right.
5: It's what the hypocrisy is just screaming.
1: Well. I read that uh, this uh, a larger percentage of people who have been vaccinated are getting and actually dying from uh, the Delta variant than uh, people who haven't been vaccinated.
5: And you have me to thank for that article, which I forwarded to you in the dark of night last night. That is so, but I mean, Robert, it's not a secret to us. We knew, we've known this all along. Just, just, and we were discussing that with friends last night. They, they are firmly convinced that the vaccine they got didn't have. The COVID nineteen um, virus in it, but that's exactly what is in it. Same with a flu ma- flu vaccine. Yeah, they, the, the 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 flu virus is in a flu vaccine in order for you to ramp up your immunities to it. But guess what? If your immune system is compromised, it doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. So so um,
1: most important thing I think people could do, and, and I'm no doctor, uh, but doctors in many cases don't know a lot about. Uh, Nutrition. Uh, nutrition. So uh, to, to me...
5: Well, they're on the company dime too, oh, by the way.
1: Yeah, but the most important thing to me, I think, is if people just make sure they're getting some sunshine every day, so for some vitamin D, they make sure that uh, they're taking some zinc and taking some of the, the uh, nutrients that will prevent and, and tend to ward off if COVID-19. God, if
5: God thought we needed a mask, to ward off viruses, we would have been created with a mask
1: Yeah, the f- fact of the matter is we, our immune system acts as our mask. In fact, if we didn't have our immune systems, we would probably all be dead within 24 hours anyhow because there's so much bacteria in the air. There's more bacteria than cells in our body, for crying out loud. So, uh, you know, the, we, we, we're built for this. As James Car- uh, Carlin said, What's his name? What was his first George? Name? George Carlin said. He said uh, he tells the story of swimming in the uh, Hudson River when he was growing up. Didn't realize how polluted he was. As he was uh, blazoned by crap, you know, <laughs> he was he was uh, basically uh, you know just being exposed to that self helps helps you to uh, prevent yourself from uh, from getting sick from it.
5: Well, and we've heard from other people that when in in the olden days. Um, you just got measles and chickenpox and all that stuff, and then you wouldn't get it anymore. I mean, it was it was just as simple as that. Mm-hmm. But, but now, because of the pharmaceutical industry and all these CDC and FDA goings on, oh, no, we've got to prevent this stuff by getting vaccine. Uh-uh. Yeah. Don't even get me started. You don't have enough time in the show to get me started on that.
1: Yeah, I understand. So it's, but anyhow, Colin Powell, I think, made a great contribution to the United States. He was a good man. Uh, he was a, uh, really a, a good soul. And, uh, you they, should
5: read social media. Really? Oh my goodness! I mean, everything from he's he was wonderful and marvelous to he was the scum of the earth. It's yeah. really amazing to watch. Oh, because by the way, he testified before Congress that about the weapons of mass, mass destruction.
1: Well, you know, he grew up in New York City. He grew up in the, on the wrong side of the track, kind of. I mean, he was a uh, Jamaican immigrant, I guess, and uh, he made it. It made it to America. It's a it's a good, great story, I think. I've.
5: It is a great story, and it's a shame that that. They, these people, some of these people, um, I mean, there's nobody on this earth that's perfect and they've made mistakes, but they, they use, some people use the social media to um, to demonize this man um, and, and he had far more strong suits than he had.
1: Yeah. Weak. You know, people that do that, they're losers.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, um, two things I want to mention before we go is, one, we had a great dinner last night at blue provence sitting outside yeah. that was really oh,
1: very nice first time we sat outside it was a very nice dinner at blue provence
5: and second how cool was it to come home and watch the boston red sox they are just in a big o- way
1: they are just on fire nine runs and uh what was it in two innings or th- six runs in two two innings they just uh, w- was a great game. They ended up winning 12 to 3. They're now up 2 to 1 in the series and playing again tonight. And the Red Sox are behaving like a team of destiny. However, we'll see. That
5: kn- I'm going to knock on everything.
1: Yeah, the worm turns pretty quickly in baseball. So we'll see how this all turns. And I always just appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you. Sir. We should carve out more time for you.
5: I, I keep telling you.
1: Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy, chairman of the Cato Institute, Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz, and Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston, space architecture, and author of many books. His 10th book uh, is What Makes Humans Truly Exceptional. Anyhow, look forward to those conversations. In the meantime, I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste.